Do you love NASCAR and all things racing? Then you've come to the right place. I'm Derek Cope. And I'm Alicia Cope. We are your hosts. And here on Race Theory, we talk about all things asphalt racing. Our life on the road, maintaining good sponsor relationships, as well as balancing our work and family life as a team. Stick around and hopefully our tips and experiences will help you reach your own goals. Welcome back, listeners, to Race Theory. So last episode, we had Derek with Bahari Racing, but was headed up to Boston for some good news, ominous news, we don't know. So let's figure it out here. Derek, take it away. All I know is I had a charter flight to uh, New Hampshire uh, for the race up there and was instructed by Jack Birmingham, who is supposedly buying the race team from Chuck Ryder. Uh, to have his daughter pick me up and then take me to Boston to his downtown uh, attorney's office, which uh, which happened. She picked me up, drove me there, and uh, the receptionist uh, took me in and put me in the conference room. And there I waited for about 20 minutes on Jack to come in and uh, sit down and start the discussion. So enters Jack and shake hands and sit down and start discuss- discussing the race team a little bit. and then. Pretty much, uh, relatively early in the conversation, Jack says that, uh, you know, he said, well, you know, I really want to buy this race team. And I feel like we've kind of come to terms uh, with Chuck uh, and Lorance, you know, uh, on a price, but we really can't buy the race team with your contract in it. And I said, well, I guess you're not buying a race team then. And he looked at me and he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, I said, my contract, I'm sure you've read. I said, it's, uh, it's bulletproof. I said, so I've been through this before uh, numerous times. And I said, I feel like that it's, uh, it's relatively proficient. And uh, you're buying uh, all the assets and liability, and I'm a liability. I said, I guess. So my contract's in there. So I said, I don't care who buys it out. But I said, if you don't want me to drive, which is kind of obvious that you're saying you don't want me to pay my contract. So I said, either you or Chuck, or both of you are going to pay my contract. So I said, why don't you call your daughter, have her come back, pick me up, and take me back to my airplane? He says, well, he said, he said let's, just, you know, let's just discuss things. And I said, no, really, there's nothing to discuss. Yeah, what's left? I said, so ask your daughter, come pick me up, take me back to my airplane. This conversation's over. So at that point, I knew I mean, there's no point in belaboring the fact, right? That, I mean, the bottom line is they don't want to, they don't want you to pay your contract. They don't want you there and I'm gone. Yeah. So, uh, at that point, you know, and it's like, I just want to go on with things, get to the racetrack, do my job. Was that quite a slap in the face? Well, certainly it was. I think you, you know, especially because Barry Dodson was there and I'm friends with Barry and I felt like that we could maybe possibly, you know, write the ship to some degree. Right. Really, and I think Barry at that time, you know, he had a relationship with Mike Bliss and had some, you know, history with Mike where they'd been productive or whatever. And I think that they were looking for a scapegoat. I needed to be that scapegoat. They needed to keep everybody else in their jobs and keep Eel River people happy about buying the team moving forward. And, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel effect. And I was the guy. So instead that, of getting know, rid of a lot of people, they got rid of one. So you were once again, the sacrificial lamb. That is correct. So back to my uh, airplane, went to the hotel, run the race that weekend, go home and contact my attorney. And certainly at that point, you know, we put things together and uh, as, you know, 
long story short, uh, everything got put together. Uh, they agreed to buy my contract out. So I would still lose my percentage of the race team winnings, but I got, you know, my contract. But the out. big question is, did you get your tractor and your chainsaw? I got my chainsaw, didn't get my tractor. Hmm. So like, like everything in arbitration or mediation, you get half. Mm -hmm. So, which I've been a part of. So, you know, it was over and you knew it was and uh, off you go. Right. So you're back to the same old grind again, trying to, you know, beat him, beat the pavement, start looking for the next opportunity. And that would come in Spartanburg. And that would come at uh, a place that was a, kind of a old place that I had, you know, some familiar stomping grounds with. I knew Bud Moore and Greg and I knew where the race shop was. I loved that area and, you know, really had aspirations at one time to drive for Bud Moore and, and be a part of that deal. And this group, the Finley group, uh, they, they had actually bought the race team and the property from Bud Moore and called it Finley Moore or motorsports. And, you know, Bud Moore was still a part of that and was behind the thing and involved and there on a daily basis. And then Joey Knuckles was a crew chief and Joey and I had a great relationship and, uh, enjoyed Joey, thought he was a very talented young guy. He'd been through the ranks, you know, and come up as a young man through there as a tire changer and then worked on the race cars this whole time. So it's a good opportunity for Joey and Joey was excited about it. And, you know, I felt like that we had a, you know, a decent car. I mean, we, we had this, uh, we did not have the new updated Ford Taurus. It was the older Taurus, a year, uh, year back Taurus, you know, but we went to Daytona with this Taurus and, uh, the car was, uh, was pretty fast and really thought that we were going to be a factor. Uh, and as it worked out, we were, uh, I think in the, you know, we didn't qualify all that well, but in the qualifying race, I finished sixth and again, felt like that we were, I mean, the car was wicked fast and I made some really good moves, got my way up through there, finished, you know, really well and kind of just pulled the reins in late in the 125 too, just because I didn't want to take any more chances. And we just stuck with being six, but had the capabilities to run a little farther up the field. So it was a great race, you know, started, uh, basically 12, you know, out, outside six row, I think it was. And Immediately, uh, you know, we took off and we were a factor. The car ran really well, uh, ended up, we were running, I forget what lap it was, but, uh, I was catching Terry Labonte. I was right on, on the edge of, 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 be, of passing Terry Labonte. And I think that was for like maybe 10th a place and right in the thick of it, right in the lead, you know, lead lap, deal up there in a nice group and just settled in really well. And the motor blew up oh, No, and it ended our day. And that was an Ernie Elliott motor. Uh, we had a nice program with Ernie Elliott and the motor ran really well. Great, you know, great. Obviously not that run, but. No, I, you know, that one failed, you know, but certainly it's, you know, that's, that's part of it. But, but the biggest problem was, was I think that after all the spending and all the things that had happened, the, the Finleys did not have the money that they said they would, or they had used up a bulk of their money and we couldn't. It's even a go, common story. We couldn't even go to Rockingham. Wow. So basically. And that's when Rockingham came right after Daytona. Yes, that's correct. So here we are. We're dead in the water. We're unlimited hydroplane. We're dead in the water. I'm standing on the edge of the thing thinking about diving in. I mean, you just, you don't know what to do. You know, if this early in the year, you think you got something. We're running really well. All, you know, the excitement level is high. I'm working with Bud Moore and Joey Knuckles and just a nice 
you can sense the camaraderie and the excitement again. It was like, you know. I remember a magazine cover talking about that team. You called it the dream team and people were coming together and there was a lot of excitement around it for some reason. Yeah, it really was. And, you know, I was back in Spartanburg, you know, and kind of like you feel like you have the the town of Spartanburg behind it. Bud Moore's resurrected again, right? And Bud's excited and just felt good. And at Ernie Elliott Motors, which I had a great relationship with Ernie Elliott. I, you know, the, I love the power. It was a good deal, but it ended prematurely. And what came after that was, again, very disheartening, something that I continued to go through numerous times throughout my career. And that was, I had to go fight for my money. I had a contract and, you know, I wasn't getting paid. So here we were, we're dead in the water. You're not getting paid. And, you know, now you got to go fight. Well, of course, you know, they had overextended themselves in a number of ways. And I think that basically when the world started coming down on them, right, you know, everybody's in there trying to get what they can get. So you're fighting off all the other people that are trying to get in there and get You're secured. just another bill collector. You're just another secured creditor or unsecured creditor mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be, right? So we're all in there vying for equipment and parts and pieces to get paid or whatever. And you're going to arbitration or, you know, at that time and, you know, you're trying to figure things out and it's just a long and enduring process. And, you know, it's just... It's just a you know a bad situation again, right? And of course, this is in the middle. You ran about five races, I think, with yeah, them, right? I forget so how many races we ended up doing or what we did total, but but you're you in know, the middle of the year when the race season is know, still the beginning of the going. year. Actually. Yeah, I'm I'm just thinking you're fighting to get paid, but yet you really need to be out there finding another ride. Well, you are. I mean, that's what you're doing. You're just trying to figure out what's next. Who's out there? Is there any opportunities? And, you know, I'm still looking mainly at cup. I really haven't looked for anything else. Right? So that's all I ever really wanted to drive was cup cars. I didn't really want to run bush cars. I didn't want to run trucks. I didn't want to do any of that. And I really just wanted to, you know, drive a cup car. Always, that was my, my full lifelong dream. And so my whole content was to find that and find an opportunity. So you keep looking and trying to make something happen, look for things, look for opportunities. And really was not much to, to draw on. And it's okay during the middle of the year because, you know, it's every day is a new day, right? You're out, you know, talking to somebody, you're going you're at the track. shops, you're at the track, you're trying to make something happen. So it's more tolerable, you know, when you're in the, you know, in the trenches trying to, you know, find something, but you get towards the latter stages of the year, you know, and then silly season starts happening and there's still no opportunities and you don't really have, you know, anything out there. Then it gets... You know, I mean, it feels like the walls are closing in. I can always tell when that gloom comes, that off season is looming. And if you didn't have a ride since we've been together, um, those years that you didn't have a ride, those were very tough holidays. Certainly wasn't the most wonderful time of the year. And, and any other driver um, in these higher series where they, this is their life and this is their business and, and their line of work, um, they feel that same gloom as well. It's like this big cloud looming overhead and you don't see light at the end of the tunnel. And it's very interesting because come November, you've got the holidays and no one's saying anything. Those that have their rides are set and those that don't, there's no movement. And then all of a sudden January, there's all this movement. And then there's a mad dash for your rides right before Daytona. And it's almost like this, this waiting game. January is the longest, most horrifying month <laughs> for a NASCAR driver that is out of a ride. And I know you can relate. 
Well, it's, yeah, it's four weeks leading up to the Daytona 500. And, you know, you live to be in the Daytona 500. Uh, if anybody ever has, you know, I don't know if you've seen the movie Rush, but, you know, when you see when James hunts without a ride and the, the tension and the anxiety and just calling and, and trying to make something happen. And then, you know, you're, you're rude to your wife or, you know, you're just, you're just. <laughs> you're rude to your wife? Well, I mean, he was, you know, I mean, he told her to go off and, you know, do some. I was just wondering if you could draw, draw any commonalities with him. Well, yeah, I, I'm sure I have, I have scolded you or I've, you know, been, you know, very short and I'm just, yeah, I'm just not a happy individual. And I, I've been that way and I, you know, numerous times and you just, you know, you're so passionate about driving a race car. It's what you've done for so many years has been your livelihood. And it's the only thing that really matters to you. Yeah, it's only, I mean, you're, you're still, yeah, if you're married, you know, you love your wife, you're in your kids or whatever the case may be, but it really, there's something about driving a race car and being a professional race car driver that puts you in some other dimension where it really is the only thing that drives you and gives you a, a sense of, of. I think it's the only thing that's going to give you a hundred percent happiness. And I think that's how I look at it is you've been very happy doing driver development. We had a really good time with Trans Am this year with Nitro Motorsports. We've had, you know, years that have been, you know, very lean. Um, but as long as you can get into that car and drive it, you have a hundred percent satisfaction. And the happiness factor is what I see um in you. And even just being at the track, um, that is where you know, you derive joy from that. And life can be going great. Family, great. Finances, great. Uh, our relationship, great. But it's not 100% happiness unless you're driving that car. And I think you're really coming to grips with that now at the stage that you're in. And uh, of course, that's um, another uh, episode for another time. But this certainly probably really rocked your world to the point where you were getting older. And you're wondering, where am I going next? Well, I think you're falling out of favor. And I think what happens in NASCAR, Winston Cup racing, and the, the sport, either in the top series, is that, you know, you get to a point where, you know, you're not looked at in the same light as you feel you should be, or there's underlying circumstances why you're in the position you're in. And that's a good point, Derek. And let me ask you this, and I know listeners are probably asking too, is at this point, did you feel like you still had it? Did you feel like that, you know, all the naysayers were right? Did it, or did you still have that confidence that give me some equipment that can run and give me a crew that can crew the car and I can get it done still? I had already proven it. I mean, I went to, you looked at what I did with Bahari, you know, I mean, when I ran up front in the top three are there at Daytona and, you know, and then I, I take what I took with Finley Moore and we go down there and finish sixth and really, you know, could have been in the top two or three, uh, had a chance to probably run right up front with that car, you know, if I had it more had blown up. So you go look at those things, right? You can go win another Daytona 500 and a Talladega and, you know, go to other racetracks and, and I still felt proficient. I still had great passion. I was still in really good health. And so yeah, I mean, you just don't understand why they don't see it and they don't understand, you know, or can condone the facts of what you've been sitting in or the trash that you've been driving or the idiots that you've you know, been managing things. Mm -hmm. So you just, you just don't have it. And, you know, again, you just kind of fall out of favor. 
they don't see what you see, or they don't believe that, or they're looking for something else. And, or else again, you're starting to look for a deal where money starts playing a factor and people don't have the money that it takes to, uh, to put into the teams. And they're looking at opportunities to, uh, you know, to do, to make that happen. So again, there's so many variables and it's just a tough, tough time. And I think, you know, you're at that point, you know, that you're going down a different path and you don't like it. And that makes you a frustration. It pisses you off. And, you know, and all I know to do is to fight harder. That's what I was taught. I was always taught, you know what? Don't get outworked, figure out another way, go back at it, make something happen, reinvent yourself, make yourself drive something that you can drive and, and show what you can do. Even if it blows up or whatever, you do something to try to like instill in people that you still are capable of doing this. Right. So that's all you can do. And you got to stay, you know, in the view optically because out of sight, out of mind. And certainly in racing, absolutely. Um, I have seen that even in my short career um, in motorsports that it is out of sight, out of mind. Absolutely. Those um, months that we don't show up to the racetrack or that one year that you weren't there at all, you are forgotten. And you see that the top drivers even, you know, when they get concussions or get hurt, you know, and they're out of sight, out of mind. No well, one's look, talking about them. Just look at it. Racing goes on, mm -hmm. right? And then there's a lot Here, more to talk after about, week. right? And now just look at like who's not there and who really you're not really even giving a thought to. Ryan Newman. You don't, you don't even talk about Ryan Newman. You look at Greg Biffle. I mean, except for a few stints that he did in the 50 car, right? You know, who and ran relatively proficient, right? I mean, you're talking about, you're talking about guys that, you know, are forgotten. You don't hear I me. Mean, and now, like, again, Alex Bowman, you weren't even thinking about Alex Bowman. Until you saw and the until Twitter. Until you saw yeah. the deal that he's going to be back at Phoenix. And then after the big announcement at, at Kurt Busch, you kind of like just lose sight that they're even, you know, uh, got a concussion or whatever until somebody brings it up and there's an announcement in Vegas and he's not going to drive the rest of the year. It just takes all those things. But I'm just telling you, life goes on. And pretty soon you are an afterthought, no matter who you are. You are an afterthought. Yes. And that's the way it will be. And that's the way it was. And so here we are. I mean, now we're getting towards the latter stages of 2000. I don't have a ride and it goes through that winter time. And I mean, you're, you're basically, now you're devastated. You're pissed off and you're upset and you have nothing. But then you get an opportunity. Well, yeah, it was, you know, I've, I've always been very friendly with uh, the press guys and everybody in the media. So, you know, opportunities were coming and I was still out the racetracks trying to find a ride and things. So you know, there was some interest in an opportunity of having me uh, come in and maybe do some television work. And this was an opportunity with Fox Sports Net, who was coming with um, NASCAR this morning, which was a 90-minute uh, tape show uh, before the races, and then an actual, what is called NASCAR Race Day, which was a 60-minute live, you know, post-race show with John Roberts and uh, Steve Wade and, you know, the rest of the guys. So it was a deal that I ended up, taking because I didn't really have anything else. And they had agreed to let me drive some races throughout the year and kind of do it from the field when I found a ride for some specific races, which I and it did find a few and was able to, to do that. But, you know, it started off, um, you know, not knowing what to expect really. I mean, I'd always been in front of the camera. I've never felt like that was going to be an issue and felt like that it would, you know, 
was not going to be hard for me. Right. And, uh, certainly it wasn't, uh, we started off and of course it was 2001. It was Daytona 500. And that morning show, we went in there and we did our first show and it was all taped and did the thing come off like, you know, clockwork. We did a really nice job. Got to talk about a lot of things, talked to a lot, interviewed a lot of guys. I thought the show come off really well. And I was very comfortable, uh, with, you know, the cast or crews there and, and the way we, we interacted and it come off really well. And then but little did you know what was to come. Yeah, it really was. Uh, I left, uh, I left the studio that morning and went home and, uh, watched the race at home. And, you know, the latter stages of the race, I'm sitting there, uh, in the chair watching the race and, uh, you know, the last lap, um, you know, it's, it's Michael Waltrip and, and junior and, uh, and you got Sterling Marlin and Dale Earnhardt fighting back there and, and, uh, Kenny Schrader and there's a, a major crash, uh, you know, Earnhardt's blocking and major crash. I see him hit the fence and. But did you think it was a major crash when you, I when you not. were watching it? I saw the wreck. I instantly saw junior and Michael cross the start finish line and I grabbed my coat and I headed out the door because it was time to go to work. I had to go, I had to get down to the studio. You know, we had to do the, the show and it's going to be a live show. Right. So immediately I, I I'm off and I'm down to the studio. Right. And you don't so, think anything is amiss. I think nothing's amiss. I know that, you know, obviously who's one and I know, uh, you know, that he crashed. So that I know that that's what we're going to be talking about, you know, so we get down there, right. I'm sure that I'm going to you know sit down. We're going to talk about, you know, who we're going to have to talk to and, uh, you know, what we're going to, what we're going to say. And it's all live. So it's my first live broadcast. So, you know, this is your first li- live my broadcast. First live broadcast. Daytona so 2001. Anxious, you know, <laughs> and excited at the same time, right? You know, because, uh, you know, again, you get to go live and you got to be on your game, right? So, wow. So I did down there and I walk in there and uh, immediately um, I sense that something's wrong. Um, I mean, all the women that are in there, you know, have tears in their eyes and they got tissues and everybody's like just in a very ominous sense, right? And I get to John Roberts and uh, I said, John said, uh, what's, what's going on? He says, well, he said, um, the rumor is that, uh, you know, Dale senior is dead. And I said, I said, what? I said, the crash, I mean, the crash that he did was in, he, I said, it didn't even look that bad. He goes, I know. He said, nobody, nobody said it, you know, it looks that bad at all. But, you know, he said that they, he said, it just, it sounds bad. Right. And we're waiting for a call from the Fox executive that's down there. And certainly they got, they got a call from the Fox executive. He said that, um, he's gone. So at that point, uh, we, we basically have to, um, you know, get into a discussion in a, in a boardroom and start talking about, you know, what and how we're going to do this immediately. Patty Wheeler, who was Humpy Wheeler's daughter. Uh, she had been at ESPN for a long period of time and she went right to ESPN trying to get to the archives and getting all kinds of footage, uh, Dale senior. And I mean, remarkable woman. She did a great job opening up the doors and getting all the things rolling to get access to all the, the footage and all the things that we needed. Right. And, uh, we started talking about, you know, what we were going to say and what we were going to talk about and all that. And, um, you know, there were some discussions that I just, I really weren't comfortable with. And, um, they wanted to sensationalize I think, it. I don't know. I, I, they just didn't really want, I didn't really like the way that we wanted to, that they wanted us to kind of present things and do it. And I just said, look, I just, you know, I want to talk with John Roberts. I want to talk, I want to talk about it the way I feel like I want to talk about it. And, you know, um, you know, 
let's just see how it goes. I just, I don't want to go with any preconceived notions or ideas on do things. I just want to see how it comes off and what leads us up to doing it. Right. And I think it's going to come off the best way if we just do that. Right. And you know, our, our deepest sympathies or our emotions take us over because, you know, I just got done racing with this guy and, you know, I, you know, I have a history with, with Dale senior and Richie and all those guys. Right. And I said, so I just, there's just, I don't know, just a lot was going through my mind, right? And yet, you know. And you wanted to be respectful. And I wanted to be very respectful, right? Because, I mean, this this was like losing Elvis. I mean, this mm-hmm. was like you know, uh, like the, the icon of the sport. And I think it was really important that when you addressed this, that, you know, you set the, the stage or set the tone for, you know, that, you know, racing as we know it probably will never be the same. Mm-hmm. And uh, You came so, at it from more of a, a distinguished yet somber tone rather than an excited uh, anxiety. Yeah, I mean, I think the words I used was, you know, this obviously was the best of times, worst of times. I said, that's basically what this was. Here was, you know, his drivers up front. He was blocking for them in the best of times, right? Him was seeing his guys, his handpicked drivers get to the front, his son, and he's back there fighting off, which you never saw him do. He would fight to try to win the race and he's back there aiding in the process. And then the worst of times losing the biggest name in our sport and, you know, changing the sport forever, really. And that's how I, I kind of, you know, presented things. And that's how John Roberts and I, you know, went through the show. And I think, uh, when it was all said and done, you know, when you go through it, it's like, I always tell you after I go and I do something like that, I don't even remember what I said. I just know I started out a certain way. I knew I wanted to, you know, set the thing going. And then it just all came to us as we went. And it really was, you know. As good as it could have been. As good as it could have been. And things flowed and for those circumstances. And we talked from our hearts. And, uh, you know, I thought the show, you know, after looking back at the show, I thought the show did went, went come off really well. And we obviously got some nice responses from, uh, you know, from Richie and the people at DEI. Well, and didn't and Teresa come back to you and thank you yes, for yeah, doing it the way you did? sent us to it and said that, you know, she was, you know, pleased, you know, thankful that, you know, that we, um, you know, presented the way that it, it did. And uh, so, again, those are difficult times and, you know, you don't really know how everything will come off and you just do the best you can, right? But a uh, difficult day and to be your first day in, in broadcast. Yeah, what a first day on that. the job. Yeah, first day on the job. You know, like you say, best of times, worst of times. I guess it kind of was there for me as well, right? So just, but, you know, really just a a difficult, difficult day. Um, but, you know, from there you just move on and, and it's a year of well, it would have been quite the year. It was. It was a year of television and learning experiences and working with some great people there. Uh, that whole group of people that we had, you know, on the show, we, we, we enjoyed the time together. We had a good time and I got to race a little bit that year. And, and then I was, you know, looking to the future and try to reinvent myself and try to see if I could parlay what I was doing there into a, a ride again, you know, and albeit you probably know that you're not going to be in a full-time ride, you know, nowhere soon, but you're going to be looking for opportunities, right. To still stay in the sport and do what you love. And that's, uh, that's what happened for the rest of that year. And, and that's pretty much, um, pretty much where, where things ended. So with that, let's, uh, let's stop there and let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, we're coming towards uh, the end of the year here, uh, ourselves. Right. And, um, the championship is, is looming here for a lot of uh, talented guys out there in race teams that have worked really hard all through the year. And this format has been 
really, you know, you know, a difficult format for a lot of teams and been a lot of ups and downs and ebbs and flows in it. And certainly it's no different here uh, in the latter stages, right? Some thing, exciting things have happened and people put themselves in a position to, uh, to run for the championship. And, you know, uh, Martinsville this weekend, right? Um, Good racing this weekend. Yeah. It, or this last weekend at the, Martinsville. Yeah, last, you know, it was past weekend. We were right at Martinsville. I thought leading up to the championship to try to get to the final, the final group. Um, you know, the, the cup series, you know, it was kind of a difficult uh, day because it was really cool conditions, you know, at Martinsville. Right. And they had actually had a test up there in warmer conditions. So it really wasn't as relevant. Uh, but they were fighting with a lot of break, uh, lock up there in practice and, uh, really, you know, trying to get everything they can keep the roll speed up. And the, the most difficult thing about Martinsville, uh, is that the car has to transition there. So the pace has to come out of the car. And you got to keep the roll speed up as best you can, but the car has to get directional to get drive off. So it's a very difficult racetrack to manage that. And Either some, you love it or hate it. You do. And some guys are more proficient at it and, you know, some guys are not right. And, um, you know, it's, you know, you took at all the stories that were coming up through here, right? I mean, you got Bubba Wallace, you know, you know, he's back after a one week suspension, uh, you know, uh, the guys that are. On the outside looking in, you know, everybody's a lot of tension. This is the last race before they go to Phoenix, right? So there's a lot of tension, right? So, I mean, you hear you got, you know, Logano's got a win and you got Chastain who's up by like 19 points. I think Elliott and Byron were in the, in the points there, you know, up by five, I think. And then Hamlin's on the outside looking in Blaney, Bell and Briscoe and really going in. Yeah. Going in. And realistically, I mean, Bell and Briscoe and Blaney have to win. Uh, you know, Hamlin's can point his way in, right? It's, and it's really going to be between Hamlin and Chastain because they're within like, you know, one point, I think, well, no, I think it's yeah. One point of each other, maybe or two, one or know, two, a few, a few points anyways, maybe, maybe more than that. But anyways, it's, it's, that's the deal. And, um, you know, it's, uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, if you look at where they were at, you know, Blaney is, and, um, you know, is, and Elliot, you know, leading the practices, uh, in the far, as far as the first group. And look pretty strong. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Denny Hamlin is like the fastest, you know, in the, in the first practice, you know, for the second group, you know. So all the guys that are really vying for the deal are right in, in the mix, right? So pretty interesting. Um, qualifying went off and um, it was, um, you know, kind of a, you know, the who's who up front, right? I mean, Elliot's really fast, you know, and uh, Larson's right there. Keslowski again. Now you got to take a look at Keslowski done a really nice job roush making some inroads there um definitely had a nice qualifying first round effort there and then you go look at the fastest guy and who is it briscoe he goes lays a number on him and in, in, uh and uh looks like you know he's gonna lay down i think like a 65 right so he's he's like one of the guys that are gonna be a factor now when it comes to qualifying you know and then you're on used tires you go back out and you know you may use your tires up a little bit in, in uh in the practice in the sessions there but the final qualifying larson pulls it out and lays a you know pretty good number on him and so he'll start from the pole so uh, i think you know the who's who you know there are up there larson and elliot and you got risco who, who's right there at third and blaney right there and then you got custer who's fighting for his life you know right now you know it's a lot of stuff going on about you know will custer be in the car next year will somebody replace him you know obviously tony stewart wants ryan priest that we alluded to right but you know uh, Custer did a really nice job here. He's, you know, he's like, you know, fifth fastest, you know, so did a nice job. So interesting stuff. Um, we'll have to see how it, uh, 
you know, how it works out, you know, come race time. But, um, you know, the, the guys up there that have to win are there, you know, even though, um, you know, the one, the one surprise really was Christopher Bell who qualified very poorly. Um, didn't really get the lap he was looking for. He's going to start way in the back, but you know, he pulled it out once before to get in the second, in the second group. So, you know, uh, and that car has been exceptionally fast, does a nice job. And, you know, I still believe that he'll be a factor come, come race time. Uh, but, um, you know, again, uh, all the guys that have to win, you know, are, uh, you know, are, are there up front, you know, and got a shot to, uh, to buy for that win. So interesting stuff there. Uh, you know, you look at, um, the Xfinity, uh, race there and, uh, the Xfinity race was exciting. Uh, you know, um, I think, I don't know, you look at, uh, you look at, you know, all the guys that have to, uh, you know, win races or get in the, in the playoffs there. And it was a tough, it was a tough deal. And the race really came down to, um, the end. I mean, it was relatively boring for the most part, you know, and people juke and jiving and coming and going right, you know, but, uh, when it got down towards the end, I mean, here you are. And I mean, we are down to the latter stages of the race, right? And what happens? I mean, they start, I mean, there's restart after restart after restart and wrecking and people wrecking each other and you can't even get, you know, to the finish, right? And that's the thing that bothers me the most, I think, is that if you start looking at the latter stages of the year in the Xfinity series, you can't get to the end without everybody wrecking each other. I mean, just a real lack of respect in my opinion. And, you know, you can't hardly plan on anything or making a good choice. It really comes down to, you know, some, <laughs> some real misfortune of getting, you know, turned around, getting taken out or, you know, uh, and even if you put yourself in a position to win, right. It just, sometimes it just doesn't happen. And the guy that deserved to win doesn't, it doesn't happen. Right. And well, that happens most times. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, throughout the race, right. You know, obviously we listened to, to that race and, you know, in-car audio and things. And, you know, AJ was doing a nice job, but got really frustrated with his car and they were struggling all day and he just could not make anything happen. Sam Mayer, you know, again, over aggressive Austin Hill was, you know, making, you know, running pretty well, but, you know, I think had a problem and got, you know, to the back of the pack, had to work his way back up. And, you know, there was just a lot of frustrated guys trying to make it back to the front. Right. And ultimately, you know, we get, we get down to the end and the guy that really puts him, you know, and won the championship last year. Right. And who is probably the most quiet guy, you know, and just unassuming and just does his job, you know, is Brandon Jones. And here's Brandon Jones, right. In the Menards car. And he ends up, you know, finding himself and putting himself in a position to get back to the lead, you know, led the race early, ran well, and then kind of faded a little bit, but got back up there and put himself in a position to win the race. And then the restarts go back and forth and it ends up being, you know, really. And the, the guy that had the fastest car was Ty Gibbs. His car rolled the center really, really well. He got in the corner exceptionally well, and it rolled the center really well and, and really probably was the fastest car. But at the end, you know, Brandon Jones, I felt like, you know, really did a nice job and his car was pretty quick. He was back in the corners up to try to get a good run off. And that was really what was working for him. And then wreck after wreck after wreck. And, you know, he had to move Ty out of the way a little bit, bumped him, got underneath him and, you know, got a chance to win the race. And the caution comes out. And then the last lap, 
Ty Gibbs goes in there and, um, you know, is, is behind him. His teammate is behind him going off in turn one and just takes him completely out of the race, parks him, backs him into the fence and takes on and wins the race. And, you know, you just had to feel for Brandon Jones. Uh, here's a guy that, you know, had to win the race to get into the final group and had it, had it, you know, on several occasions was in a position to make it happen. And then it doesn't. Well, and he had done everything right. And I hate watching drivers and I've seen Keselowski do this where you literally wreck someone for the win. And I remember you talking about when you raced, um, and back in the days of, you know, Earnhardt senior talked a lot about him this episode that you didn't stand for that. You, you drove people respectfully, of course, aggressively, but you don't do that at the very end of the race. Anybody could do that. So why doesn't it happen every single week? Because some drivers do it right and some do it wrong. And I'm, I'm certainly, I'm, I'm not a, I, I wasn't a fan before, but I'm certainly not now. Well, I think, you know, again, I think everybody has their own views. And the one thing I've always said is there's not really a real point in, in discussing the thing very much. You know, I mean, when I was doing it, it's like, well, I don't even want to go over, talk to somebody. I really didn't want nobody to come talk to me. It's like, bottom line is you couldn't put three race car drivers together three car owners together, you know, or three, you know, anybody's together <laughs> and come up with the same story or conception of what transpired. You can't, you can't do it because they all believe something else and they see something else and they have a different perspective. Yeah. But this case is totally different. Well, I mean, at yeah. the end of this race, there's no three conceptions. He wrecked him. Well, he did. He parked him, turned him and put him in the fence. Right. Uh, he could have done it differently. He could have moved him up, not wrecked him and, and got the win. Right. And then it would have been, you know, it would have been strategy, pro quo, right. I mean, they'd been knocking each other, bumping each other, but subtle bumps. And I thought Brandon Jones did it the right way. He, he bumped him just a little bit and then was able to get a nose right. underneath him and did a nice, I mean, a credible job, but you know, the end result was a bit distasteful. And I think obviously the fans showed their displeasure and a lot of people, right. You know, but he has know. lost a lot of respect now and rightfully so. But, you know, it's, it is, it's, it's sad. And, and the Xfinity series, I think if I have to say one thing about it, really, yeah, I, I think I don't enjoy watching the Xfinity series as much simply because there is much more of this. I mean, after the race, Austin Hill and, uh, and Myatt Snyder are on the ground rolling around fighting, you know, and, <laughs> you know, then you get up and he does an interview, like nothing's happened, you know, and he's always in some kind of a, of a, of grief and I don't get it. You know, I mean, everybody's, it seems like everybody's wrong. And, you know, it's just, I don't know. I just, uh, I don't really uh, appreciate that. Right. And I think that, um, you know, NASCAR obviously is not doing much about it. And I think they're letting them have at it and, uh, it's for exciting and, and they're for anything that yet, builds right? up the ratings. Yeah. So again, it's the, uh, it's the Xfinity series. And, you know, these were, I guess these were names are made of, is that what the, uh, their, this is uh, where names are made. So anyways, they're, uh, they're trying to make names for themselves and they're trying to make it happen to get to the and next And where level. reputations are destroyed. Yeah, exactly. So anyways. <laughs> I, actually, uh, I actually like the Xfinity series. That was my first introduction into NASCAR and I've always enjoyed it, but it definitely has changed. And um, now you have really a lot more. You don't have any of the old timers in there anymore. You, um, or even real experience, um, a few, but usually the experienced ones are the ones that don't have um, the good rides. So you're not seeing, you're not seeing the best of the best. You're seeing, um, who's got the most money at the front. 
Well, that's certainly where it's at right now. And I think, uh, you know, there are some guys, though, that are getting some more opportunities, right? The guys that have done really well in the Xfinity series have gotten opportunities. Chase Briscoe. Uh, and I think if you look at a guy that's won a lot of races in that deal, you know, he's done a nice job there at Haas and he's put himself in a position, you know, to, to have a shot again. And then you look at Cole Custer, who, you know, who won a lot of races uh, in the Xfinity series and then goes on and, you know, gets a ride and wins a race and, you know, and doing a nice job. And, but he's still in a position where now, you know, he's fighting for his life. And uh, so, but, you know, Gregson, and now he's got a full-time ride. It looks like going on to, uh, to college for cup series next year. So some of these guys are getting opportunities, right? And, um, you know, interesting enough, you know, Brandon Jones is leaving Joe Gibbs racing and not, I guess that was maybe, maybe that weighed into Ty's, um, thought process, uh, <laughs> that he was going to junior motorsports. See you later. Yeah. So this is my parting gift. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way yeah, out. I guess that's what you get, right? <laughs> you know, if you're leaving, Joe Gibbs racing. I don't know. But anyways, it's ironic because now I guess I would be lo kind of looking forward to what's going to happen in Phoenix because I guess now isn't he like a partner in the JR Motorsports Group where now Al Geyer and, uh, you know, Gregson are fighting for the championship and now he could be a spoiler and if a payback's in order, uh, it could right. happen with uh, Ty out there and take him out of the championship. Wouldn't that be ironic that, uh, you know, guess what, what, uh, tit for tat, is that yeah, what you say? Yeah. What, what comes around goes, goes around. around. So it could be an interesting Phoenix coming up. So I'm sure that NASCAR or there's going to be just some discussions made, but that rarely ever enters in the equation when it comes, push comes to shove. So let's just, uh, Wait for Phoenix. I think it's going to be an exciting deal there and see uh, what happens in the Xfinity series. So all eyes on Phoenix for Xfinity. Right. So. And obviously, just for sake of timing, we will be, we'll be discussing the cup race at Martinsville next episode. So tune in and just go ahead. And um, we have released 10 episodes um, all at once for those of you who want to binge them. And um, obviously, the timeline um, allows us to talk a little bit about races as we go along. Um, all looking forward to Phoenix, but next episode, we'll be talking about that, um, that Martinsville cup race, which was very, very impactful, of course. And then also want to let y'all know that episode 11, we are going to be actually discussing your comments, questions, anything that has come through, um, up to this point. So didn't want you to think that we were, uh, not looking at those or ignoring those comments. We definitely are, but, um, haven't had the ability to do that until episode 11. So thank you so much for listening in and we've had a lot of fun up to this point. Hope you have too. We've got much, much more to discuss. Haven't even talked about and when Derek and I met yet. So that's coming up. Yep. So again, uh, we got a lot to touch base with in the next episode. Uh, again, we'll touch on the cup deal and a little bit of F1 and uh, we'll, uh, we'll see you then. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Did this episode give you some value? If so, please follow us on Facebook at Derek Cope and Instagram at Derek Cope double zero and leave a comment or question and use hashtag race theory. We can't wait to hear from you. See you on the next episode.